So many Christians are looking for breakthrough. If you announce a breakthrough service, you know, a crossing over breakthrough service, which is very famous at the end of the year coming into the new year. How about in the new year you just keep doing what you did last year and be consistent? Am I making sense? And so very often what we're looking for is some breakthrough. Is a breakthrough. God, I need a breakthrough. Well, I want to tell you that consistency has got everything to do with breakthroughs. You just keep being consistent in your prayer, consistent in the Word, consistent in your service for God. You will experience breakthroughs. It was many years ago when this church looked very different and the ministry was a very different place. I was praying and I spoke to the Lord and I said, Lord, you know, it's just like the enemy is against me, against me, against me. I mean, you know, it's just I need a breakthrough. And the Lord, so this is what the Lord said to me. He said, keep going. He said, because the power in you is greater than any power the devil has to resist you. And he said to me, keep going. And he said, you're going to pass him at a milestone somewhere in your life. And he's going to be sitting down on the side of that road at that milestone saying, okay, I give up. I tried stopping you, but I can't. He's going to be out of breath, worn out, worn down, broken down. And because of the power of the anointing, you're going to keep going. Amen? So sometimes a breakthrough is not an event. Sometimes breakthrough is a lifestyle where you're moving from glory to glory almost imperceptibly. You're growing. Isn't that right? I mean, all you got to do is go and look at the door, maybe in the combase, you know, where you grew up, and go and see where your mother marked off the height you were at certain ages. And without you even realizing it, you were growing. Without you even noticing it, you needed a measurement. You needed a marker on a door for you to realize, man, I've grown. And you sit here in church, you come to church, you do your work of service in the ministry and things like this. You don't realize it, but you're growing. Amen. If we were able 13 years ago to put Nkosi by the door and Maureen by the door on some kind of a spiritual measurement and put a mark there and then go and say, go and stand there now, and they would see that they're head and shoulders above the time that they were 13 years ago. Come on, this is a good place to say amen. amen. Consistency is something that we all need. Can I tell you something in all honesty? You honestly need the drudgery of life. You do. You need it. You need it. It's good for you. It's good for you to get up, and as far as your Christian walk is concerned, and I'm not minimizing it, and I love God, and I serve Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, is that whole routine of getting up and doing it again. And then tomorrow you get up and you do it again. And the next day you get up and do it again. Because God is shaping something inside of you concerning faith. And the next day you get up and do it again. And you go through the troubles of life, you go through the trials, but you get up and you do it again. And so, you know, somebody asked me once during the time of the stroke some years ago when I was sick, and he said, how do you keep going? And I said, I've got a three-step thing to keep going. The first is wake up. The second is sit up. And the third is get up. And then you put your feet on the ground and you get going. That's how you do it. Is that okay? And so, as far as your Christian life is concerned, we need the mundaneness because what God is doing is giving you the opportunity to apply consistency to your walk. You don't feel like it. You're tired. You pick up your Bible and you read it. You're tired. 
things are stacked against you, you turn your face to God in prayer and you do it not because you feel like it. You do it because you know that's the right thing to do. Amen? But you're building something in your character that in some circles they describe as breakthrough. You go to church, you don't feel like it. It's been COVID, it's been tough, it's been horrible. You don't feel like doing it. You know, you're now into another pattern. The new normal is to watch it on live stream. That's the new normal. So listen, how about you just get up and do it because that's the right thing to do. You come inside, you're tired. You know, it's been a tough week. Then the pastor says, come on, let's all pray in the Holy Ghost. And you were praying all the way to church. Jesus, please don't let him do that. (laughs) Don't let Pastor John tell us, turn around and greet. You know, I hate people. I'm shy, you know. Now I must turn around and go greet three people and tell them, welcome to the oasis of love in the midst of a troubled world. We're getting back to that next week, by the way. Anybody leading the we're going to do that again. So I don't want to do that. But listen, it's good for you. We need to do it. Isn't that right? So consistency, listen to me, listen to me. Consistency wins over excitement every time. One of the reasons why is because consistency is a deliberate and focused effort to stay on course, to be steady, to be unchangeable, to be immovable, to be constant, to be firmly fixed in a position. The trouble with a lot of Christians, and I want to tell you, is that it's a sign of immaturity, is where you always want experiences, and thank God for the experiences, and we do have encounters with God, but you can't live your life like that. I want to tell you, if you're consistent in your personal devotion to God, you will have encounters with God. Am I preaching the right message? You know, sometimes testimonies can be the most misleading thing. Because you hear somebody's testimony, you know, I fasted and prayed 40 days, and then the heavens opened, and angels flew out, and they were sprinkling gold dust, and, you know, they were pouring buckets of oil out, and, you know, I saw the throne, and I saw this, and I saw that, and you think, she, wow, every time that guy goes and prays, this is what happens. No, it doesn't happen every time. Every time it feels like when you pray. When you pray, and you're conscious of yourself and nothing else. We are conscious of your prayers. Sometimes you might sense the presence of God. Sometimes you might get goosebumps. Most times you don't. Most times you're aware of your program for work. But nevertheless, that praying is still important. Isn't that right? The Bible writers, when they wrote, when Daniel wrote, when Ezekiel wrote, they weren't having those experiences all the time. And sometimes the misleading thing about testimonies is like, wow, you know, I wish I was in Corsi, you know, because, you know, he gets caught up regularly and this kind of thing. No, he doesn't. I can honestly tell you that he doesn't. (laughs) He wishes for more of those. So do we all. And testimonies can be misleading because suddenly we start looking for excitement and we move away from consistency. Amen. So I want to just talk about this this morning. Is that okay? Can I give you a few pointers? Consistency. The reason why it's so important is because consistency emphasizes faith over emotion. Consistency emphasizes faith over emotion. Once we get onto an emotional level for our Christian lives, you sunk. 
Because your emotions one day will tell you in victory, your emotions the next day will tell you you're the worst person living. Another day your emotions will tell you that, uh, you know, breakthrough is here. And the next day your emotions will tell you that you're the one Christian in the whole world that Jesus doesn't love. That's what your emotions will do. It will put you onto an inconsistent walk. But faith puts you onto a walk of consistency because faith walks in the revelation of the light of God's word of who you are. It's funny, it struck me. It struck me this morning when we were worshiping. And I don't know, I think it was probably something that I was meditating on in the week, but it struck me this morning that no distraction can come. Oh, yes, it was when we were singing that song that angels join us. Join with us in worship. We used to sing it. In, in fact, that song is written the other way around, the way the writer wrote it. We join with angels. And it just struck me that, you know, Paul wrote and said that people get caught up with the worship of angels. And the reason why they do is because they don't have revelation on the word. Because angels are not superior beings. They are superior in a sense, relatively. But we would sing always that we would join angels, whereas the truth of the word is angels would always come and join us in worship. If we get the revelation, and this is what God spoke to me in the worship, and he said, if you get the revelation of who you are as a son, you will not put any idol between you and me. Because of your revelation of who you are in me, you would put nothing higher. You would not debase yourself to worship money or to worship material things. Because you know who you are as a son, you have all things. And all things are yours. And you won't worship angels as a superior being because the name you have been given is higher than the name they've been given. Because they are servants and you are sons. So Paul says, you're already rich to the Corinthians. He said, you're already kings. He said, you already have all things. So what are you pursuing things for? Consistency. Amen. It will put you into a place of faith over emotion. I love what, and I've told this story before, is that Evan Roberts during the Welsh revival, the height of the revival, the brothers would get together and pray with him and the sisters. And they would pray before a meeting. And the one evening, the prayer room was filled with glory and presence and power. And they looked at each other and they said, we're going to have a great meeting tonight. And they walked out and they had a great revival meeting. The next night, they went in to go and pray. Same place, same church, same whatever. But this time, the atmosphere was hard. It was almost impenetrable. And it was like dark and heavy. And they looked at each other and said, it's going to be tough tonight. And they walked out and it was a tough meeting. When they got together the third night, Evan Roberts called them together and said, listen, we're going to pray for the meeting tonight. They were going, yeah, yeah, we need to because last night was a flop. And he said, the previous two nights, the experiences we had, first night, was it God? They all said yes. Second night, was that the devil? They said yes. He said, in fact, both nights were the devil. He said, because the enemy was successful in moving us from faith to feelings. And he said, we're going to pray And we're going to go in and we're going to have a glorious meeting because that's what the Word says. We can start to pray 
out of things that will cause us to go onto a route and a walk that is inconsistent. Second thing, consistency will always cause your roots to grow deep. If you're inconsistent, it's almost like constantly transplanting a plant, pulling it out and putting it there, pulling it out and putting it there, pulling it out and putting it there. It becomes a bonsai type of plant because it's constantly being uprooted. And you need to be rooted in consistency in your spiritual disciplines, in your service for God. If you are rooted, you will put deep roots down. If you're consistent in it, should I say, you will put deep roots down. Because when anything comes, you will not be moved. You will not be shaken. You will not be driven off of that thing because of the power of consistency. Because there is consistency in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions. Because you just keep doing the thing. So when a wind blows, you don't get up and move. When the wind blows, you don't tumble along like tumbleweed. You stand, and having done all, you stand. I mean, that's what that verse is about. Be consistent, amen? On the day of evil, stand and having done all, stand. Nowhere does it say run. Nowhere does it say pray for a breakthrough. Nowhere does it say fast. It says stand and having done all, stand. Just be consistent. Just keep going. Amen. Let's not be distracted, amen? Come on, let's not be distracted by COVID. Let's not be distracted by news and, and all of that kind of thing. Let's stay consistent. Consistency, like discipline, flows over into other areas of your lives. It's really amazing. If you're consistent in one area, you can be consistent in another. And if you can be consistent in your spiritual life, you can be consistent in your work life. Let's be consistent. Amen? One drip at a time. Come on, let's just keep flowing in the right direction. Let's make an impact because of consistency. So I want to just mention two people and just show you the power of consistency without taking too long. But let's go and have a look at Genesis 49, verses 22 to 25. And uh, Jacob married Rachel and Leah. But when it came time for his death, as the patriarchs would, they would call in their children and prophesy over them. And Jacob prophesies over his 12 sons. Amazing, amazing. If you read his prophecies and then you go and track the lives through study of each one of the sons, you will see that what he prophesied came to pass. Well, amazing. It's amazing. Can I just tell you, as patriarchs, as parents, prophesy over your children. Prophesy over them. Doesn't matter how old or young they are, prophesy over them. Speak over their lives. Amen. Make declarations. Come on. You know, as men and women of God, what we say is powerful. And, of course, he touched on it beautifully last week. Amen? So we need to be speaking God's word. Is that all right? With a priority. So in Genesis 49, verses 22 to 25, I love it. It says, and uh, that's the King James. I think I'm reading from the NIV. If we can go to the NIV, thank you. But it says, Joseph is a fruitful vine. Now, remember, this is being stated as a fact, but it's actually a prophecy. Is that okay? State your prophecies, your declarations. State them as fact based on the word. Joseph is a fruitful vine. Okay, let's just pause there. Now, remember Joseph was the little spoiled brat, the blue-eyed boy, the one that got the multicolored jacket, you know, the one that had the dreams, you know, that his parents and brothers would bow down before him, and he, he really irritated them. And uh, so that one day they decided to get rid of him, and they came up with a, a diabolical plot because he was dad's blue-eyed boy 
to say that he'd been devoured by a wild beast. What they did was they killed a lamb and put blood on his jacket and said that a wild beast had torn him apart. He has the jacket. Meanwhile, they put him in a pit to return later to kill him. Now, incidentally, it was Reuben, the older brother, that said, no, we can't kill him. That's in his favor. But there was a passing caravan of Ishmaelite slave traders, and they sold Joseph off into slavery. When they got to Egypt, he was sold to a certain Potiphar, and uh, maybe to a market first and then bought by Potiphar, but ended up working in Potiphar's house, who was quite a high-ranking Egyptian official. Later, because he was good-looking, Potiphar's wife wanted to seduce him. He stood firm. He was consistent, and he refused. He ended up in jail. By now, it just looks like everything for Joseph is going from bad to worse than terrible. <laughs> you know, from being the favored son to being in prison in a foreign land. But there God lifts his head, and he later prophesies over interprets dreams for the butler and the baker. And um, the dreams basically come to pass. Again later, the pharaoh has a dream, and the butler is reminded of Joseph. He is called in, interprets the dream, saves two nations, or more than two nations, because of the interpretation of the dream. You know the story, eh? Yeah? Yeah. So now he has Jacob at the end of his life, and he's prophesying. He says, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a vine that is near a spring, okay? Fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. In other words, it's so fruitful, the branches are just spreading and spreading and spreading. There's a wall. Now the branches are running over the wall. You know, it's like the next-door neighbor who's got a hedge on their wall. Yeah. You don't have the hedge in your yard, but you've got the hedge in your yard because the branches are growing over the wall. And he says, with bitterness, archers attacked him. Remember, this is prophetic language. In other words, he was attacked. He didn't have a you know, really, really excellent life. Not everything went well for him. He was pierced with painful arrows. They shot at him with hostility. But listen to this. But his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the almighty who blesses you with blessing of the skies above, blessings of the deep springs, blessings, deep springs below, blessings of the breast and the womb. So what a powerful prophecy. Now Joseph, as you know, it's really amazing, went through this bitter trial, even though what he dreamed was true. Is that okay? It's really important to get the context of this. Every one of us has a dream. If we follow Joseph's life, we will see it's his consistency that caused the hand of God to prosper him, to bring him into a place where his destiny was fulfilled. Imagine if he had been inconsistent. Imagine when he took offense at the first hurdle, when his brothers sold him into slavery. Imagine if he had, even at the second hurdle, when Potiphar's wife accused him. He could have given up on God. He could have given up on life. He could have given up on his dreams. He could have given up on everything. And then to end up in jail as a criminal. And then, you know, the butler and the baker even forget him, even after the dreams are interpreted. You know? God blesses you. God anoints you. You've got this gift. It's coming to pass. You prophesy. Things happen. But it's like there's nothing breaking through for you. Nothing obviously happening. Everything around you, it just seems to get worse. 
What do you do in those circumstances? Become inconsistent? Or do you remain consistent in your walk with God? Amen? So during COVID, and that's what I'm saying, I want to encourage you with it. And uh, some maybe just need stronger encouragement than others. And um, is that the temptation to become inconsistent. Come on, time, the church is opening again. Let's get back to consistency. Let's get back to our relationship with God. Let's get back to our walk with God. Come on, party's over. Break's over. It's time for the real stuff now. Come on. It's time to put our hand to the plow again and not look back. Start putting those furrows in the ground. Start breaking up fallow ground. Start, you know, start watering the seed. Start prophesying. Come on, it's time to start doing the stuff again. Amen. I said to the leaders, we're going to go down to the checkers over here, and we're going to go and we're going to get the band down there. We're going to walk around. We're going to pray for people and minister to people because Amen. there's still people out there hopeless. Amen. And I want them to sing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Amen. And we just flood the checker center with sound one Saturday morning. Amen. Is that okay? We've already set a morning. And so just to encourage people, come on, it's time, church. Yeah. Time to get back to doing the things that we did at first. Inconsistency. So here's Joseph. At any point, he had every opportunity to be offended, to get discouraged, to get down, just to say, this stuff doesn't work. This Christian thing doesn't work. I tried tithing two months. Doesn't work. Maybe it was three. Doesn't work. Well, how about consistency? If you ask and keep on asking, if you pray and keep on praying, yep. if you sow and keep on sowing. Yep. You know, I tried this giving thing. You know, all we do is enrich the pastor. They put a box there for him and they just put money in it. And there it's gone. How about consistently so? And you don't have to give to me. Just give somewhere. Yeah. Try it out as a principle. Amen? Yes. Try praying consistently. Yes. Try reading your Bible consistently. Try coming to church consistently. Try doing your ministry consistently. Okay, here's a few more. How about not being nice on one day and then ugly on the others? How about having nice attitude every day? All day. How about smiling at everybody? Not only one day, every day, all day, smile. Jesus. Come on, consistent attitude. The Bible calls that being temperate in nature, being even in nature. Isn't that okay? Smile at the petrol attendant. Be nice to the waiters and waitresses. They're trying to do a job. They can't help it if your food doesn't taste nice. That's the cook's fault. Go and shout at the cook. The power of consistency. Joseph reached the place of being prime minister. His dreams, his visions were, were, came to pass, but he was shot through with bitter arrows, betrayed by his own brothers. But he had the strength of character because of something in him that when eventually they come to get the corn so that they can survive and he sees them, he doesn't, I mean, I would have grabbed the nearest, well, maybe I wouldn't have, but, I, you know, I would, maybe I'd be like Joseph, I don't know, but I might have just grabbed the nearest Egyptian sword and just said, okay, this is me, I'm Joseph, what do you think? My brothers, 
what you did to me. You know, I, I might have had them groveling a little bit. I might have just smacked them with the blunt side of the sword. And just said, fortunately, things turned out all right. You can have the sword back. But I might have just rubbed it in a little bit, you know. But because of him consistently over the years deciding in his heart to forgive them, when the moment came for them to meet, he had a forgiving heart towards them. Come on, church. How about walking in consistency of all the graces? Walking in forgiveness. It's why Jesus could, when he was hanging on the cross, say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why? Because he never got offended. He walked in forgiveness. That in the most painful hour of his life, when he has to push himself up on the nails that are through his ankles to be able to speak, he can say, Father, forgive them. In the context of raw pain shooting through his body, he could say, Father, forgive them. Because he was consistent in a life of forgiveness. Come on, there's a lot that we can say about this, but because of his consistency. Notice the thing that stands out, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring. One of the main things that we need to do in our consistent walk is stay by the rivers of living water. You cannot afford, I cannot afford to move away from the wellspring of life. We can't afford to move away from those waters. You cannot afford to be inconsistent in your relationship with Jesus. We know what Psalm 1 says. We know what a later Psalm also says it. And Jeremiah 17, when he talks about you know, being planted by rivers of living water. We bear fruit in season. Yeah. Is that okay? Yes. And it's important for us. And it's not always easy. It takes discipline. The hardest thing to discipline is not so much your time. The hardest thing to discipline is your own emotions. Yes. Your own undisciplined emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it doesn't grab you, if you don't feel like it, if that program on TV, I don't know what they are. It's not, probably not Days of Our Lives anymore. It's something, some other program that's taken over. But if it's not that, you know, there's something that will take your time and your attention. And if you are swayed in your emotion through something that's more attractive than that, you will start to lay the foundations for an inconsistent walk with God. Yes. Joseph came through to his destiny because he stayed near to the water. He knew his identity, and he embraced his assignment, and he never moved from where he was in God. So Joseph's life becomes an example of stability and consistency and of blessings that followed as a result. Just while I was doing some study on this on Friday, I discovered something that, you know, the Nile flows through Egypt. So this is where Joseph was, in Egypt. But the headwaters or the source of the Nile is very much from the ice cap on Mount Kilimanjaro. And they went and they did exploratory work on the ice cap on Kilimanjaro, where they did core boring into the ice, into the glacier. And they discovered that there was no ice at a particular time, about 1,600-odd years ago or more, which was right at the time when they dated and they looked at it, it was right at the time that Joseph was in Egypt. And it was right at the time that he prophesied to the Pharaoh that there were coming seven years of drought and famine. 
right at the time. Egypt has a rich history with Israel, obviously because they were there as slaves. But prior to that, because Joseph was prime minister. There's a lake in Egypt which is off, away from the Nile, and it's Lake Karun. Lake Karun is important for the agriculture around that particular lake. It's the lifeblood of that particular area. It's away from the Nile because one of the tributaries, the branches of the river veers off and fills that lake. And historically, whenever there was a drought, that lake would dry up and the people would then experience famine because they couldn't grow. And this happened repeatedly. And then sometime in the history of the Egyptians, a canal was dug by hand from the Nile to that lake that still exists today. They reckon that lake since then never dried out. And they call that in Arabic, they call that the waterway or the canal of Joseph. To this day, the legacy of Joseph is still blessing generations. Come on, church. Your consistency will leave something for generations ahead. It'll lay a foundation. I want to just contrast it. One of the things that we need to model for our children is consistency and stability. It's very interesting that almost immediately in Genesis 49, well, it was actually earlier, Jacob prophesies over Reuben. And I'm not going to take too much time with it, but listen to what he prophesies to his oldest son. He says, Reuben, you are my firstborn. Genesis 49, 3 to 4. My might and the beginning of my strength as my firstborn. The excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Listen, he carries on. So right now it's really good. Like, amen, thank you, Dad. Yes, awesome. But then Dad carries on. Unstable as water, you shall not excel. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. What Jacob is possibly talking about, it's repeated in 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1, that Reuben is the oldest. This is what some students of the word get out of it, is that Reuben went and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah. And uh, he says, you came up, you went up onto my bed, onto my couch. So that was not the reason for his instability as water. The consequence of his sin was that he lost his inheritance. But the consequence of his character was the loss of his destiny. Jewish students, you can go and look it up. Some Jewish students, they say this, that he didn't actually sleep with Bilhah. But when Rachel, whom Jacob really loved the most, when Rachel died, Jacob began to favor Bilhah over the others, over Leah and over the other, the other concubine. And um, Reuben didn't like that, also because she could possibly have got some of the inheritance. And so he opposed the father's favoring of his concubine. Whichever way it was, it was wrong and it displeased Jacob. 
And so Jacob says, you're unstable as water, and you will not excel. Instability will derail your destiny. Inconsistency will derail your destiny. And so we need to remember this. It's, it's really interesting that what Jacob did, he left Reuben with his authority and head as a, of a tribe, but he took away all the material, the wealth part of his inheritance, and gave it to Joseph. Now, it sounds unfair, but here's a principle. And Jesus elaborated and alludes to it concerning the word, but basically it's true about other things. He says, take away from him who does not have and give to him who does have. In other words, that which would come to others, if they are inconsistent, they will lose it, but it will go to those who are consistent. Can I get an amen? amen? It sounds very unfair, but what it is is a principle. Let me see if I can elaborate on it like this and say more than 90% of the world's wealth is owned by less than a percent or maybe 2% of people in the world. They say, those that study people and finances say, if you took all that wealth and you distributed it evenly to every single person on the entire planet, seven odd billion people, every person on the planet would be multi-multi-millionaires. But within eight years, all that money would be back in the hands of that 1% wealthy because they know how to get it. They know how money works. But the biggest thing is they know what it takes to get that money. And part of that is hard work and consistency. Is that everybody with me? Are you all following me? God is a consistent God. He thrives on consistency in his sons. And consistency in our Father should beget consistency in us. Is that okay? Because every good and perfect gift is from God above and comes down from the Father of lights where there is no variation, where there is no shadow of turning, where there is no inconsistency. Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, I do not change. Psalm 102.27, you're the same and your years will have no end. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And you know, even in your personality, you know, some people, they're not excited to see you because they don't know what they're going to get. You know, which John are we going to meet today? <laughs> so they're always walking around on eggshells, you know, because it's like, Ish, this is going to be the happy John, this is going to be the angry John, this is going to be the what John, this is going to be the, the sulky John, this is going to be, uh, you know, inconsistency in your walk. That's inconsistent, amen? People should know immediately what they're going to get the next time they see you. The same. Yeah. Yeah. The same nice person, the same nice Jesus-type person. Amen? It's like I said before, the fruit of the Spirit can be best described as you're nice. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of these gentleness, meekness, all of these kind of means that you're a nice person. So there's a call to consistency. Amen. A couple of other words, and I'm going to rush to a close. I think I've made the point. Unstable, uncertain, unreliable always changing, unpredictable, fluid. Here's a good word that I came up with, wobbly. 
lacking substance. Pastor Helen used to say this, they're sometimey. That's a real sometimey person. Sometimey like this, and sometimey like that, and sometimey like that. The sometimey person, you know. So let's not be wobbly and lacking substance. Um, you know that an inconsistent person cannot be trusted with an assignment. And it's maybe the mercy of God that God doesn't use inconsistent people. So James says this, and this is one of Bear's favorite verses. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Should I read that verse again? This is James. He's not a grace writer. He's not a grace teacher, James. Paul writes grace. James writes... (laughs) James writes something else. So much so that when Martin Luther, the great reformationist, you know, he'd read the Bible, he thought the book of James should not be in the Bible. He called it the epistle of straw because he didn't understand James. James is saying, well, you say you've got the grace of God in your life. Well, let's see it by your life then. So James says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Inconsistent. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. You're not going to get anything. Because he's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Double-mindedness is the root of instability. For heaven's sake, make a blinking decision and do it. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, some people are, I'm going to do this, I want to do this next time. I'm going to do this, I want to do this next time. You say, I'm going to do this and do this next time. We're going to do this and do this, and then next time I'm going to do this. But you know, if they're spiritual, God told me to do this. And then God told me to do that. And then God told me to do this. And God told me, God is it's got an issue with his memory. <laughs> Old age is creeping into the ancient of days. I say that respectfully, Lord. I'm making a point. Because he keeps changing his mind. Then it's this. Then it's that. Then it's the next. The next. Make up your mind and do it. But then be constant in it. And consistent. Jesus said something like this. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't let it be miskin, umper, you know, something, you know. Let it be yes. Let it be no. Not maybe. Make up your mind. Do something. Even if you're doing it wrong, do it wrong well. Then repent. Turn around and go and do the other thing. But for heaven's sake, be consistent. Amen. So Bev likes it, and she will often tell me, because I will vacillate it in opinion. I don't know, I don't know what to do. And, and one of the ways that I process is out loud. So I'll say it to Bev. I'll speak it out and say, I think I should do this. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I'm saying I'm thinking I should do this. And then I'll say, well, you know, well, maybe I should do this. She'll say, Don, just make up your mind. You know what the Bible says? An unstable man. You know, a double-minded man. You know, so she'll preach this. This is the most quoted verse in our house. Hey? It's the best verse. She says this. She says, John, if you're double-minded, you will be unstable in all your ways. Make a decision. Prophet Quibus often used to say that. I used to hear him talk to pastors and say, make a decision and do it. Every time I see you telling me what you're going to do, make a decision and do it. 
Don't tell me you've got a brilliant business idea. Show me. Okay, there's some really good words. Romans 11.2, continue is another way of saying consistent. Continue in God's goodness. Colossians 1.23, continue in the faith and not be moved away from the hope that you've received. Colossians 4.2 says, continue earnestly in prayer. 1 Timothy 4.16, continue in the good doctrine that you've received. Hebrews 13.1, continue in brotherly love. God wants our relationship with Him and how we give ourselves to spiritual things to be continuous. So Acts 2.42, the early disciples continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Amen? So how about just continuing? Continue, continue. So you started reading the Bible. Continue. You started memorizing Scripture. Continue. You started getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to pray. Continue. Is that okay? The prayer meetings that we've been had, the first time in 35 years our Saturday morning prayer meeting was interrupted was by COVID. I started the Saturday morning prayer meeting 35 years ago. 35 years later, we still pray on a Saturday morning. It has to have contributed to the reason for breakthrough. Amen? You've got to continue. Jesus taught this. Come on. God will reach your children. God will win your family members. He will. You know, Jesus taught a parable in Luke chapter 18. And he said, Jesus taught the disciples this prayer to teach them that they ought always to pray and never give up. Come on, church. So you need a promotion. So you need something to happen. Then pray and continue to pray with undiscouraged perseverance. Just keep going at it. Keep going at it. And I close with this. I remember speaking to Pastor Tini. I wanted really a breakthrough in miracles and signs and wonders and move of the Spirit and things like this. And I spoke to this apostle of God who, man, if you talk about constancy in prayer, this man was that. He was so disciplined, seven days a week. I mean, hours a day he would pray. Hours a day. Hours a day he was in, in the Word. Hours a day. Consistent. You couldn't get hold of him between certain times because he was praying. And he would pray and pray. It's no wonder that angels would show up. It's no wonder that angels would manifest in these meetings. It's no wonder Prophet Quibus had all of those miracles. There was a consistency in that man's walk as well. He was consistently in the Word. We all want revelation if we read the Bible for three minutes. We want angels to show up in our lives when we've prayed five minutes. How about constancy? And um, I was so desperate. And he said, John, he said, I've watched you. He said, just keep going. He says, I'm telling you, the dam is going to break. The dam is going to break. Whatever is there, whatever is opposing destiny, whatever is opposing whatever, Just in your consistency. Just by you doing what you're doing, but with consistency, can bring about the change. And suddenly, family members are, Dad, Mom, I've given my life to Jesus. I just had this encounter with God. Because you're in the background just chipping away. You're in the background just investing into heaven. You're in the background, you know, just eroding the devil's authority until everything of that edifice crumbles and there's a breakthrough. Amen.
So, Father, I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for the consistency that's here. Lord, you told me I needed to reinforce the consistency and encourage your people to let them know that um, they ought to be consistent. And so, Father, I want to thank you that as they're consistent in their word and consistent in their time with you and in prayer and as they're consistent here in church and as they're consistent in their ministries and consistent with their jobs, as consistency as providers, consistency as a wife, consistency as a husband, as they're being consistent as a parent, God, I want to thank you that the breakthroughs will come. Father, without great show, great splash, great whatever, it will happen, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Did you get something from that? Thank you. Just give God a big hand for His Word. It's powerful. I want you just to sit and to be blessed by this. Is that okay? Just let it wash over you. Just let it wash over you. God has recognized your constancy and your continuation and your faithfulness. And so what I'm prophesying is without great big you know, lightnings and lightning bolts and sounds of angels' wings. And I love all of those things. But just listen, just be blessed by this and know that God will reward your constancy. Yeah.